Okay, so we are here for podcast number 32. This is Michelle Buck, the Comprof. And I spend my time trying to find people who are doing communication well. And we are today on the topic of conversation. And I'm here with a friend of mine who I have always found is very good with conversation. And she, thankfully, has agreed to give some of her tips that she uses when having conversations, either in social or business gatherings. So I have here today with me Missy Harris, who's a realtor here in Nashville, a very prominent one. And she and I have been to several fundraisers at the same time, social events, and I have found her to be uh, just very good, very adept at conversation. And I've noticed that conversation is kind of a lost art these days. So students, let's talk about conversation. And I'm going to get some tips here from Missy for you. And we'll also have some test and quiz material over this as well. Of course. So... Missy, one of the things that I noticed when we would be in a gathering and we have mutual friends and, and we are friends is that you put people at ease when you are talking with them. And I found that to be very helpful with conversation. And I, I think one of the reasons that you put people at ease is you're very good at asking questions to other people about themselves when you're in a conversation. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. And thank you for your kind words earlier, Michelle. Um, so one of the first things I do before conversation really even begins when I'm meeting someone for the first time is to look them in the eye as I extend my hand. I smile at them genuinely and say at the same time, um, it's so nice to meet you, Michelle. And um, I make sure that I say their name. One reason I use the person's name is so that because it helps to establish an instant connection between the other person and me. And also because if I'm saying their name while I'm looking at them in the, in their eye, it helps me to remember their name for mm -hmm. you know, future use in the conversation. Or okay. if I need their name when I'm going to be introducing them to other people, if the occasion arises. Sure. Sure. Um, so once we've been introduced, someone obviously has to start the conversation. So if the other person doesn't immediately jump in, then I begin by asking a question of the other person. So, um, and that generally, I, I have found you say something like, what do you do? Which is, is prominent conversation. Um, you've asked things like, what are, what are your passions? I thought was very impressive one time oh. with a guest. Well, what, are, what things do you yeah. enjoy doing? It's always a, a good one for people to, to be able to, you know, they, to immediately gauge, engage in the conversation. Sure. Um, so initially you want to keep your questions somewhat neutral. So for example, if you're in a social setting, such as a party, I might ask the other person how they know the host, which could lead to, you know, any number of interesting stories. Who knows? They could have been high school friends or they could have, you know, gone fishing together last weekend. And so, but it, it gives an, an open um, opportunity for the person to tell a story and, and, um, and connect us to, you know, then I might offer how I know, how I know the host. Um, I tend not to ask yes or no questions because you want to leave, you want to ask questions that allow the person to expound yes. upon, yes. um, whatever they, whatever their topic is. So it sounds like you're saying first that, um, Name, looking in the eye for these people, for these uh, with people that that really don't know how, and I see that a lot. People, uh, young and old, who don't know, 
quite how to engage, look in the eye, say, hi, nice to meet you, saying their name, because right. you're obviously somehow bit store. Just say, my name is Missy, what is yours? And that allows them to, to say. And then you generally pick uh, a neutral question, mm -hmm. as you've said, of how do you know the host or what brings you here tonight or something Absolutely. like that. Okay, good. And so while the person is answering whatever question you might have asked them, it's very important to give them your full undivided attention. Um, so there's no scanning the room, no looking over their head, no discreet glancing at your watch, and definitely no looking at your phone. Good. I mean, obviously, if you're expecting a very important phone call, in which case, maybe you shouldn't be at that event anyway. Um, but for the most part, you keep your phone, you do not have your phone in your hand. And should you, you know, realize that you're getting a text, just realize that you're going to need to wait for that. Because, you know, in this day of social media, people... You could you would be on your phone constantly if you responded to every text or post that you got, and so that's you know it makes it very difficult to have any kind of you know meaningful interaction with someone. Um, I have a, a friend, a, a young woman in her um, mid to late twenties, who recently um, I was engaged in a conversation with. It was something that she had initiated, a conversation she had initiated, and um, we were going back and forth discussing this. And in the middle of the conversation, she got a text and she pulled her phone out of her pocket and without wow. any ado or apology or anything, <laughs> she began texting the other person back. And um, wow. so I waited and then we resumed our conversation and then she got another one and she did this several times. And, Goodness. you know, she just didn't really realize, I mean, she's a, she's a very nice young woman and very considerate generally, but she just did not realize that that was an inappropriate thing to do while she's in the middle of a conversation with someone. And, sure. and you know, did you say anything to her about no, it? Or? No, okay. I, don't, I don't think if you had been like her boss right, or something, or if, you could have said something, yes, but or yeah. she had been related to me in some way. I definitely say that in class. Students are allowed <laughs> to do that in class, but yeah, sure. It's kind of tough when, and I think maybe it sounds like, um, some people don't even realize with, uh, social media, like you're pointing out, that that is still considered inappropriate. It's a good way to connect when you are by yourself, but it is not a good way to connect with other people when you are in front of someone live. Absolutely. Think about how many times you've been in a setting, say a restaurant, and you've seen people, you glance around the room and you see most people are on their phones. Lots yes. and lots of people are on their phones. And sometimes people are sitting at the table with their phones on their table with them. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily right or wrong, but it is having your phone as a kind of a, you know, a, it's almost a deterrent. It is a deterrent to yes. having a real, you know, mutually satisfying, um, healthy conversation with someone. So it's time to put that away, have a conversation with someone, and go back to your text after that conversation. Good. Good point. So far you've said this is how you engage with someone right at the beginning. Then some of the tips of what not to do include don't pull out your phone. What I also found very fascinating that you're very good at is uh, what's known as the follow-up question. You ask a question and you allow the person to answer. Don't scan the room, as you've said. But then you've also, you ask very insightful follow-up questions. Well, if you do that for a living, what is that like, you say? Or you always say, oh, do you know so-and-so who's also in that field? I think people tend to forget to do that, too. They think it's just supposed to be like a tennis match. You say something, then I'll come up with something to say, 
and they forget the follow-up. And what that does also is allow the, the person you're conversing with to talk about something that's interesting to them rather than asking them what they do and then you tell them what you do and then your, your, your conversation has stalled out. Sure. When you say, well, you know, I understand that your company is um, opening a new office in Seattle, for example, sure. then they can talk about that and then that might lead to, you know, another conversation that can kind of tangentially work off of that. People love to talk about themselves and they love to talk about their interests and things that are important to them. And really one of the most important things for any person trying to be socially adept and conversationally is to learn to listen. Listen first, talk second, listen more than you talk. And that doesn't mean that you stand there mutely, you know, agreeing with everything that they say. You want to be an active participant in the conversation, but people will think that you are a great conversationalist when they come away from a conversation with you, when they have spent the majority of that time telling you about themselves and about what's important to them. Sure. They think you're great because you listen to them. Yes. And and you listen to them and you really, Mm -hmm. and you give them verbal and nonverbal cues that you're hearing Mm -hmm. them. So a verbal cue might be a mm-hmm or yes or, you know, some indication that you're hearing them. Sure. And then a, a nonverbal cue would be nodding your head and, you know, an animated expression on your face. You want to, to make <laughs> eye contact with them while they're talking. All of those cues let the person you're conversing with know that you are listening and, and understanding what they're saying. So it sounds like you're saying that with this listening plus the follow-up, and you're looking in the eye, and you're actively participating, that if both people were doing this, there would be kind of more of a balance. Do you think there should be sort of a balance for the conversation? Absolutely. Although there really isn't any set formula for how that balance plays out, like 50-50 or 60-40. It usually depends on the two people. It depends on the topic that's being discussed, etc. I tend to listen more than I talk in a social setting, but I do believe it's important to contribute to a conversation with thoughts, uh, observations, or stories of my own. Otherwise, if you're simply asking questions, it may come off to the other person as though you're interviewing them. Yes. So so you want to definitely ask questions and listen, but then when it's appropriate, then... um, Sort of jump in, give your... Um, I like to ask questions which provide people an opportunity to talk about something interesting or important to them, and then when when it is appropriate, uh, respond directly to what they've said with some observation or story of my own. Okay. I think it's important, even if the other person may be speaking of something that you know little about, to show that you've heard them and that you're engaged with what they're saying. Um... And that way it doesn't feel like when they finish talking that you redirect the conversation to something completely different. It's, it's good sure, to have a, sure. a, you know, a back and forth rapport over what they've introduced. And then, of course, it's, it's you know, you are, you're not just asking questions. You're also contributing. I mean, I, I think that when I give dinner parties, I like to include my friends who I think are great conversationalists because I think that that's a gift to the, the person who's hosting the party. Oh, nice. That person, they... They come and have dinner at my home, and what they do is contribute this fabulous conversation. Yeah. And I have lots of friends, like you, for example, who are great conversationalists, and it makes it really fun to have a gathering of people who are all 
interested in learning about other people and interested in, you know, sharing funny stories or interesting stories of their own. So ideally there will be a balance because both people in the group or in the conversation will, you know, let the other person share when it's appropriate. Okay. And that kind of sharing, I think might be, since I'm a researcher of communication, that might be the key because social media is such a sharing type of communication venue. And we might say it's oversharing. Sure. And, and I think so. And, and if, so as I've watched conversation kind of change, it seems like people think now all I have to do just sort of vomit out a little bit. Someone's supposed to give me a like or nod their head and that's it. And they don't uh, really have the art of the follow-up question or asking someone. I've, I've seen more lately people not being able to do a give-and-take balance. Whether social media has kind of changed that, or perhaps they themselves didn't acquire the skill as they were getting older. So if you are trapped with someone who tends to, we'll say, dominate the conversation, doesn't really ask, you almost kind of feel like you can't get away, I bet you've got some really good t- I've not seen you uh, trapped like that in a party, but I sure would like to know for our listeners, what on earth can we do? Well, that is, it's kind of a, um, it's a catch 22 because you, you want to engage you want to listen to the person and engage with the person at the same time. You do not want to be completely monopolized sure. by this person. Right. And so what I have done, because we've all been in situations where someone kind of goes on and on and no amount of like, you know, looking longingly over your shoulder for it to get away or kind of, you know, moving backwards from the person it sends any cue to this person that's talking to you. Um, nothing works. So <laughs> if, if there is an opportunity for me, I, I don't, I try not to interrupt people and that's an important thing for people, for your listeners to your students to know mm-hmm. not to interrupt and to definitely wait for your turn. But when it's appropriate for me to, break into the conversation to say something, you know, I, I will. If it's not received, if the person seems to be just waiting for me to finish what I'm saying so that he or she can resume kind of monopolizing the conversation, sure. then it's easy to recognize that. Sure. And if that does happen, then I consider that conversation not really, it's not Right yeah, sure. So at that point, um, I have a great way of getting out of a conversation, which is to go, oh my gosh, I have been monopolizing you for 10 minutes <laughs> and I think I just need to let you go so that other, so that you can visit with other people here. <laughs> and so it's an effective tool for kind of like wriggling out of an uncomfortable situation without putting the other person on the spot because you don't want to be as, as, um, unaware as that person might have been that he or she was monopolizing the conversation, you still don't want to be rude to that person. And you know, sure. you want to be able to kind of make a graceful exit and then dash for the, for the next, for somebody else. <laughs> so I really don't have any, um, I, I either, I give the conversation a go. Okay. Try to make it work. If it, if I feel that it's just not salvageable, then I move that's, on. That's my Exit your, my your, exit strategy. Your escape, yeah, your exit strategy. Um, have you ever had a situation, and this is just 
me now, I, I thought of this. Have you ever had a situation where, where perhaps you're friends now with someone that maybe the first couple of times that you were at settings where you conversed, it, it was didn't quite go as well. Maybe you didn't feel like there was a connection there, but eventually, after seeing each other in social situations, you finally decided, okay, I, I think we do have some things in common and can be friends. So should we be, in other words, should we be determining new friends by one conversation? Absolutely not. I agree. I see what you're saying. Um, no, I think it's easy for us to make snap decisions about people and people do it all the time. I mean, we live in a pretty polarizing yeah. age right yeah. now. And, um, I, you know, I could easily see how I can't, I'm not thinking of anything right off the hand, right off the bat where that's happened to me, but I'm sure it has, and I'm just not remembering it, mm -hmm. but I would not, would not want to make a snap decision about anyone because some of my greatest friends are people that I would never have known that I would have become close friends with. So in essence, then you've, you've got some tips here that you've been giving us. So a lot of people will say, Oh, I'm an introvert. I'm not going to the party because it's a social gathering. I'm, I'm not good. I'm the wallflower. What kind of tips do you have for people when they're going to be at a social gathering? It's always good for business to do this. It's going to be good to meet new friends to do this. You're going to have to. So right. what kind of tips would you have? I would say that even though it sounds kind of daunting, that doing some due diligence before you go to an event can be really helpful. Wow. Okay. Uh, for example, you're going to an event, say it's a dinner party or it's a, a, a date or a work event, whatever your event may be, come to an event with topics at the ready, topics to discuss. Okay. Um, if you know who you'll be talking to before the event, Think about things that might be interesting to them. For example, if you know they've recently returned from a trip or if they've okay. recently adopted a, a shelter, a rescue animal, mm -hmm. or, you know, who, who knows what might have happened in their life. Um, they've just been to a new concert. So that way you can be prepared with things to ask them about. Okay. Um, if you don't know the, who you're going to be conversing with, I think one of a, a really good tip is to be try to be reasonably up to date with current events. Okay. And by current events, I don't necessarily mean politics. In fact, I would discourage people from coming you know, to an event to discuss politics unless it's a completely appropriate conversation and everyone in the group agrees to it. Sure. But current good. events could be something as innocuous as, say, the, the latest great movie that's been released or a fabulous mm. new restaurant that everybody has been talking about okay. or even, you know, what's your opinion of the new iPhone, something that people can relate to something that is, um, interesting, something that's kind of fun to talk about. Those topics can unite people when, I mean, if it's a work event, you may be talking about things a little bit more serious than that, but really what you're doing is just coming, is, is coming armed with a little storehouse of things in your mind that you can pull out of your pocket if you find yourself, you know, in a conversation, expected to be in a conversation and you think, oh my gosh, I don't have anything to talk about. Sure. So you've got okay. things at the ready. Nice. That's a great tip. Yeah. So if you, um, if you find yourself conversing with a group of people rather than just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, try to remember to tailor the conversation to the group. Okay. For example, don't talk to only one person about a topic that the rest of the group may not be interested in. For example, remember that time that we did such and such and everybody else is standing around and they have no, they weren't no there. Clue. Or, you know, maybe a, a work, a conversation with a colleague at work that 
you know, about something work-related that the other people in the conversation are, are not interested in or know nothing about. Sure. So remember to try to include everybody in the group. And that having been said, another way visually to connect everyone in the group while you're talking, if you're the person talking, is to remember to look at everyone in the group. A lot of times it becomes very easy when people are talking, especially if they're not completely comfortable talking in a group, they'll fixate on one person, maybe someone whose face is very, you know, someone they know or, and so they'll kind of end up talking mostly to this person, even though the conversation is directed to everyone. And that leaves the person that's being looked at somewhat self-conscious and the other people feeling as though they're just kind of awkwardly standing around. So if you are conversing with the group, remember to shift your gaze occasionally from this person over to here and, and just include everyone in the group by, you know, glancing at them while you're talking. Nice. That's almost like we teach in public speaking. You're there in front of a group. You do need to include, even if one of them isn't quite looking at you, at least you are trying to include everybody. Absolutely. Okay, good. And remember not to, I mean, for people who are nervous about social interaction or, you know, uncomfortable, they're probably, this probably isn't going to be the case for them, but remember if you're, if you are comfortable, remember not to monopolize the conversation. Okay. So if you talk for more than a minute or so, then, you know, let somebody else take a turn and don't, and wait your turn to talk. Don't jump in. Don't be waiting to tell your story and not really listening. That's something that I see people doing. They're kind of like, you can almost see them like ready to pounce the minute there's an opening in the conversation. And when you're thinking about what you're going to say, not really able to listen fully to the person who's talking. So, and that leaves you kind of not truly relating with that person. And I would think that would affect your follow-up question too, because if you're so ready to jump in, it might not be the appropriate time in that other person's story and now you've lost your chance for any sort of follow-up question and then you would need to sort of cast aside your own story if it does change so yeah really good point point. you're right that um, a lot of the things that we hear these days are, are listen and don't just wait for your turn to speak absolutely good good well are there any other tips that you you've given us a treasure trove here (laughs) by the time you're looking at people, calling them by name, asking questions, follow-up questions, making sure that you're including everyone. And if there is an imbalance, try to set the balance back. And if that doesn't work, then you have an escape plan. Is there any kind of last word that you would leave with people who are going to give this a go? They don't feel like they know up until now what to do. Well, the only thing I would really say in closing is that you often hear the phrase, the art of conversation. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, it is an art, but it's also a skill in Mm. that it can be learned. It's not an art that some people have and some people don't. And maybe that that could be the case, but people who don't feel that they have it can learn it. So there are lots of ways to learn it. And, you know, some of the things that we talked about today and just, you know, regularly trying to Regularly, you know, having conversations with people, even when it feels like it's going to be intimidating. Um, A lot of people don't like to go into a party by themselves because they think, oh, I'm going to be, who am I going to talk to and what am I going to do? But if you find yourself alone, walk up to someone who is standing and say, hi, 
I'm Missy Harris, and and start talking to that person. Ask them a question. How did you? How did you? How, how do you know the bride and groom, or yeah. something like that? And you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you will become. Nice. And it'll all come together. For so you. with practice yes. and Missy's there tips, you too can be a conversationalist. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Missy, for being with us today. We're going to have some more tips on other types of communication following in the next couple of months. But uh, if you have any thoughts and any other questions, feel free to email me. And then if there are some things that uh, come up that Missy can answer, I will certainly forward those over to her. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Michelle.